Hey there, this is episode number 14. Today I am answering the question, how do I get my kid to stop throwing food? You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi, this is Danae. Welcome to episode number 14. This Q&A podcast welcomes questions, so please send me your questions at simplefamilies.com backslash ask. And even if you don't have a question, please hop over to simplefamilies.com and read the blog and get signed up for the email list so that we can stay in touch. Today, I'm taking a question from Julia in Washington. She writes, my 20-month-old son occasionally reverts back to the food-throwing phase. I thought we were past that. He did it a lot around the one-year mark and then stopped. If it happens at the end of the meal, I assume he's done and I take his plate away, ending the meal. But if it happens at the beginning, perhaps he doesn't like what I've made, even though it's probably something he has enjoyed before. Do I try something else? I'd prefer not to. What's for dinner is what's for dinner. At the same time, I'd like him to actually eat, so I'm conflicted. Julia, you are doing a lot of things right. I want to go over how this show is structured. I give three main highlights and then one take-home point at the end. I'm going to start today with talking about why kids throw food and then explain why it even matters that we consider this. Then I'm going to introduce a concept called control of error. And lastly, I want to touch on a quick food timeout. So throwing and playing with food is not an unusual behavior for young kids. It feels squishy and slimy and funny in their fingers, so it's not uncommon for them to be a little bit playful with it. It's also not uncommon for them to use throwing and behaviors like that to communicate something to parents. Now, maybe you heard that kids need to play with their food in order to eat well, or that playing, letting your kids play with their food is a strategy for picky eating. Now, I'm going to tell you that that is not true. Now, there's a very small percentage of the population that has diagnosed feeding disorders, and those children may in fact benefit from playing with their food. But the vast majority, the 95 to 99% of the rest of the children across the world do not have feeding disorders and in fact don't need to play with their food. What they do need to do is they need to self-feed. And self-feeding can be pretty messy, but there's a big difference between a kid spooning the yogurt into the mouth themselves and the kid using yogurt to paint all over the table. I strongly recommend from the very beginning not letting your children play with their food because it's cute when they're eight months old or 10 months old or maybe even when they're 15 months old. But by the time they're two, that behavior that used to be cute, it's not cute anymore. Now it's just kind of annoying and messy and you don't want to deal with it anymore. So it's really confusing to our kids when behaviors that were once cute and you laughed at are not cute anymore. So it's best just to start with the policy from the very beginning. We don't play with our food. We eat it. There are three main reasons that kids throw and play with their food. And it's important to consider the reasons because depending on what the reason is that your kid is doing this might depend on how you react to it. So the first reason is that kids throw food or play with food because you've served them something that they don't want, which is, Julia, something that you had suspected. The second is that the child is done with mealtime, so it's their way of communicating, get this food away from me, I'm done with it now. 
And number three, it could be a cry for attention. So this might be the parent who's sitting next to them, but they're on their phone scrolling through their Facebook feed or just not really paying attention. So it might be the child's effort to get attention. The most common reason for this behavior is that kids are done with mealtime. So they're full. They don't want to eat anymore. This seems like it probably would be the most obvious one. So when this happens, it's easy. Mealtime's over. They can get down from the chair. That's that. In order to curb this behavior, what you need to do is teach them a way to communicate with you that they are all done. So even before a child is verbal, you can teach them the sign for all done. And I found that that has worked really well with both of my children from a young age, probably around 10, 11 months that they were able to start communicating when they were done with their meals. That way they could tell me and I could get them down instead of having to use behaviors like throwing in order to tell me. Because when you th- when they're throwing, it does communicate something. It's like, hey, get this food out of here. It gets attention and and you take the food away. So giving them an actual way, a functional way to communicate when they're done is the first suggestion. Now, like Julia mentioned that sometimes her son would throw things at the beginning of the meal and she suspected that was because he didn't like what she was serving. And Julia, you very well could be right on this. Now, if your child is throwing food because they don't like what you're serving, I would suggest that you use something called control of air. Control of air is basically controlling how much of a mess your kid can make. So you take their plate away from them or you take whatever amount of food it is away from them and give them back just one piece or two pieces and allow them to try those pieces. So instead of giving them a whole bunch of food in front of them that they can just throw all over the room and make a mess, first give them the chance just to have one or two pieces because if they do decide to keep throwing it, then it will make much less of a mess to clean up. The reason that control of air works is because sometimes when you give kids a big pile of food, it can overwhelm them. So if you give them a big scoop of peas, they might get overwhelmed. But if they just have one or two peas, they might feel like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then they'll start eating and be like, all right, I guess I'm going to have the peas tonight. But if we just give them the big plate full of peas and the expectation is there that they eat them, then that puts a lot of pressure on them and it's overwhelming. So sometimes by lowering the threshold, lowering the expectation, giving them just a little bit can get them back on track. Now, when you're using control of error, I wouldn't recommend much conversation around it. I would just take away the plate full of food and give them back one or two pieces and give them another opportunity to eat. Now, if that doesn't work, you can go ahead and move on to the food timeout. Now, after you've used control of air, I would suggest taking all the food away for a quick food timeout. I would give it about 30 seconds and just put the food in the middle of the table with no words. There's no explanation. There's no attention given to it. Just stick the food in the middle of the table, wait 30 seconds, and then give the food back to the child. The reason that this strategy works is that it shows your child that, okay, we're going to take a little break and you can try it again. You can try the peas again. This shows them that you're not going to get up and go to the fridge and pull out the applesauce or pull out the bananas or whatever it is that they might prefer instead of the peas. Now, in young children, I don't like to talk in terms of likes and dislikes for food because their tastes change with the wind. I'm going to put a link to a post on this topic in the show notes at simplefamilies.com backslash episode 14. And I'll explain to you why I never talk with my kids about likes and dislikes. So after you've tried both of those, if at that point they're still throwing, then mealtime's over and they have to wait until the next meal. And you're right, Julia, that what's served for dinner is what's served for dinner. 
In episode five, I explained to you a little bit about how we feed our kids at home. And one thing that I mentioned was that we use the cardinal rule of feeding, which is something by Ellen Satter. That's E-L-L-Y-N-S-A-T-T-E-R. And she calls it the division of responsibilities. So that's the parents pick the food and the child chooses whether or not they're going to eat it. So the parent does their job. They pick out the food, they prepare it, and they serve it. And then the child gets to make the decision about how much of that food they eat or whether they want to eat it at all. So if your child is refusing what's for dinner, that's okay. They are going to eat really well for their next meal or their next snack, even if it's for breakfast tomorrow morning. I've seen kids eat really big breakfasts. There's Many times when my kids aren't that hungry for any given meal. And as mothers, we think that we can predict how hungry a kid is. And like, oh, you haven't eaten all day. You must be starving. You only ate two bites of food. But the reality is we have no idea what's going on inside their stomachs. We have no idea how hungry they are. So we need to trust that they know how much they need to eat. And on some days, they might choose not to eat at all. And that's okay because we can't predict the appetite of a small child. Those appetites change from day to day, from hour to hour. So just stick to your job, which is providing the healthy, well-rounded diet and letting children do their job, which is choosing whether or not they want to eat and how much they're going to eat. So the last cause for this behavior is that sometimes it's a cry for attention. And I would encourage all parents to really be present with their kids during meals as often as possible to eat meals at the same time with their child. We know that the research shows us that when parents and children are sitting next to each other eating the same thing, that children are more likely to eat what the parents are eating when they see the parents modeling that behavior. So when possible, eating together with your child. And when that's not possible, just sitting with them and fully being present with them so that they don't have to do things like throw their food in order to get your attention. Eating is a very social time and We want to teach our children how to be pro-social around those mealtimes. That brings us to the take-home point for today. That is, making a mess during mealtime should be an exception rather than the expectation. Make sure to set your goals high and keep your standards consistent and you're going to see positive results. Consistency is the key with this, so make a plan and stick with it. Thanks so much for listening today. This has been episode number 14. You can visit the show notes at simplefamilies.com backslash episode 14 and read more about this there. Thank you for tuning in. Please hop over to iTunes and leave a review when you have a chance. And I look forward to hearing from you soon.